Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Attain Anything podcast. I'm Wade Swigel. And I'm Chris Marhefka. During this podcast, we'll bring you conversations with high-achieving, world-class individuals at the top of their game. This will help you elevate your influence. We're going to learn their stories, and they're going to share their tips and secrets that have allowed them to become extremely successful. So you can live life to your maximum potential and ultimately attain anything. Welcome everybody to the Attain Anything Podcast. I'm your host, Wade Swipel, sitting alongside my co-host, Chris Marhefka. And today we've got an excellent guest on the show, uh, Mr. Marty Schaffel. He is the founder of ABI SPL, a $700 million um, uh, international technology company that he started out of the University of Florida in 1979. And uh, he's also currently an adjunct professor at the University of Florida when he's not residing in his home of Tampa, Florida. Um, also board member of uh, North Star Bank and uh, prepared insurance company. And just in general, helping out a lot of different businesses investing uh, across the state, right? And maybe across the country as well. So uh, Wade and I are really excited to be talking to Marty today. And uh, I think he's going to be sharing some uh, wisdom with us and with you guys as well. Yeah, so Marty, I know you've got a really interesting story. You basically started your business uh, from scratch and just grew into this mammoth organization across across the world. Uh, tell us a little bit, I mean, how, how did you get your start? Well, uh, I found that I didn't make a good employee. <laughs> uh, I had this desire to see things a certain way and want to do it a certain way, and uh, that was... I had a level of frustration when I wanted to make those things happen. And I found that there's only two ways uh, to be at the top. You can start at the bottom and work your way to the top, or you can start at the top and build the bottom. And knowing how well uh, the starting at the bottom and working my way to the top wasn't going, I knew that I had to do the other. So I found this particular product that I was enamored with, called the manufacturer, asked if they would resell the product to me, and after a lot of back and forth, I finally got them to understand that I was starting a company around selling this particular product. They agreed, and I had about $2,000 to my name, I lived in a $400 a month apartment, and I had paid for a beat-up station wagon, and that was my... Total uh, net worth at the time. <laughs> I needed about ten thousand dollars to take down the opening order, so it's a whole other story about what it took to make all that happen. But eventually, got started, and I realized that I was having a transformation in what I was doing in the business. When I started the company. I bought the products, sold the products, fixed the products, delivered the products, sent out the invoicing, deposited the checks that came in, paid the bills, and then I realized I needed to pay people to do those things so that I could continue to spend more time generating revenue. So I started selling products to customers, but as I hired employees, I realized that I was selling something different. 
I was still selling, but once I started having employees, I realized that I was selling a vision of opportunity and success to employees. And that became my new job. Wow, very cool. I love hearing stories such as your own where you literally start with nothing and you just take a chance. And that's what it sounds like you did. What what prompted you to take that chance? I know you said you weren't a good employee. It's something we hear from so many entrepreneurs that just can't stand working for somebody else and they just see this bigger vision. Uh, but, but I mean, that takes some serious guts when you only have $2,000 to roll the dice and try and leverage a $10,000 initial you know, product offering that, that you don't know how you're going to come up with. I mean, you think that's a genetic trait or do you think that is something that you acquired over, over time or through your childhood? Well, I think it's when are you least risk averse? Uh, Warren Buffett says the greater likelihood of success for an entrepreneur is how early they start. And that has a lot to do with what happens when you start a family and you have a house and you have obligations, you become more risk averse. So as Bob Dylan has in his lyrics, the song like the Rolling Stone, there's a line in there where he says, when you ain't got nothing, you got nothing to lose. Hmm. So true. Did you see the risk as your business grew to finish, or were you constantly rolling the dice and it just happened to play out? I mean, do you attribute a lot of this to is calculated risk, or, or was there some luck involved and able to leverage everything along, along the way? I think that entrepreneurs make calculated risks. And in order to make a calculated risk, you have to be able to get comfortable with the downside. So I always ask myself before I make a major decision with significant risk, what's the worst that can happen if I make that decision? And I try and imagine and live that scenario in my mind. Once I've done that, I'm no longer afraid of it because I've embraced it and I've already thought it through. Now that I'm comfortable with it, I can turn my attention to what's the best that can happen. And if I think that the opportunity exceeds the risk and I'm comfortable with the risk, then I'm feeling much more motivated and optimistic about tackling the opportunity. In that scenario, if you find yourself having to convince yourself to do something, is that something you just give a hard no to? Or, or is there ever times where you have to talk yourself into a decision, or is it just in your gut? You see the you see the those two scenarios, and you say this is a yes or this is a no. Or well, is there... What you described to me means there's a little bit more information I probably need to have to be able to let the needle fall one way or the other. Mm, gotcha. Makes sense. So you said that at first you were wearing all the hats in your business. You were placing the orders, you were paying the bills, you were sending the invoices. Uh, kind of like a guy like Wade Swaggle done that. <laughs> <laughs> very true, very true. Uh, uh, tell me a little bit about what, what sparked your first decision to hire an employee, and then how did you go about finding that, that employee, and then how did you build it from there? Well, since I'd never hired anybody before, uh, my first hire was probably my 
worst in terms of the right criteria for hire. The first person that I wanted to hire was somebody who would be able to take care of managing office activities like uh, typing invoices, generating invoices to customers, paying bills. But the very first thing was I needed somebody to enter and generate uh, invoices to customers for things that we provided. And I had a small banking relationship with a local bank, so I asked the woman who works at the bank who handled my account, do you know anybody who can uh, maybe start working for me doing this work? And she said, oh, I have a friend, she'll be perfect. I said, I really need her to be able to be very fast on a keyboard and enter all this information. And she said, oh no, she'll be perfect. So I met the woman and I asked her, could she do this? And she said, oh yes. Okay, great. Well, I'd started this in, in my apartment. So I was in the spare bedroom working on sales and she was in the dining room, which is a very small room, uh, about to start doing her work and I stacked the stuff up for her to do. And I expected to hear click, 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 if not faster. And what I heard was click, click, click. Click. <laughs> Click. So I peered out from around the corner and I saw that she was using two fingers mm -hmm. and was um, being very deliberate. So I said, Mildred, I said, can you type? And she said, well, I had meant to go to typing school. I just haven't had time. <laughs> this was before QuickBooks and... This is all before, this was before the, the PC. This was yeah. before computers. Uh, there was not. There wasn't even a computer. It was on a typewriter right. there from college, all done on paper. So, uh, still being the naive person I was, I paid for her to go to typing school. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work out. Uh, I lost a lot of time. I lost a lot of money, uh, and that was my first hire. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and we learned from our mistakes. So at that point in time, there were a lot of things that I learned about how to hire the next person. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe list type of experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe watch and see if they can actually do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now fast forward a little bit, and, and ABISBL has is it 12 or 1,000 employees? Uh, almost 2,000. Almost uh, two. Probably 2,000 right now. Okay. And so how do you, I mean, there's no way you can actively be involved in hiring all but how do you find and recruit and interview and uh, maintain good talent? I mean, what, what advice would you have for something like that? Or, or I guess maybe maybe even the process leading up to that, um, can you talk a little bit about that? I actually was on a phone call this morning with uh, one of the vice presidents uh, with regards to recruiter, recruiting and hiring talent for sales and trying to make sure that there was a new and robust internship program and onboarding process to recruit, train, onboard, and develop sales talent. And I would say that of all the major challenges that a company faces, that needs employees, the ability to properly interview, 
hire, train, develop, and onboard uh, employees is by far the most significant challenge. And 37 years later, I would still say that the company hasn't perfected that by any means, as most companies have. It's the toughest of all problems. Mm-hmm. Why do you why do you think that that is? Why do you think that no one has figured it out yet, or a few people figured it out? Yet? Um, it's certainly all qualitative and not quantitative. Uh, a GPA is not an indicator of success. Mm-hmm. What somebody made before may not necessarily be an indicator of success. Mm-hmm. There's there's not a lot of quantitative data around a, the ability to predict the likelihood of success when you hire somebody. Mm-hmm. You have to find those intangibles about what drives and motivates them, what causes them to get up every day, uh, what causes them to be proactive as opposed to be fearful, uh, what's their level of self-esteem in order to be able to be confident to do what needs to be done, how good a job can they implement uh, once they have uh, been informed of a initiative, task, or direction. And uh, I've coined a phrase because I had three career goals. Uh, one of them was to build a billion dollar company and I never quite got there wrong, about 700 million. Uh, frustrating. <laughs> Second one was to be the uh, world's largest national and international uh, integrator of display technology, unified collaboration, and we get conference that was a problem. The third one was before I eventually sold my uh, stock to private equity, my third goal that I did achieve, which meant the most to me, was getting to a place that I called management nirvana. The phrase I and The definition of management nirvana, as I define it, is nobody was allowed to report to me that needed to be managed. And if I found that somebody reported to me that needed to be managed, they then had to report to somebody else or they needed to rethink their career. And it took me 25 years to get there. That's a long time. But it was the greatest place that I ever got to in my career because I could, when I got to that point, I could sit around the table with people that I could collaborate with on a dream, a direction, a vision, a set of opportunities, whatever it is. And when we all got up, I knew that everybody owned what we decided and that I didn't have to worry about whether they did it and did it well. Very cool. cool. Sounds like a dream to so many, yeah. It's it's the greatest place to arrive at in, I think, leadership. So... um, and yeah, I, I'm sure that took quite a few trial and errors on your part. Um, if you were speaking to someone who was starting from square one, they had no systems, they had no hiring process, where do people start? If they know they're in over their head and they're doing everything themselves, just go out and do it and make the mistake? Or is there any advice that you would give to maybe improve that chance of success? I pushed the university hard on the idea of developing a course or courses around what are those things you need to 
know what are those things you need to do to get a business up and running. It's exciting to see that there is a course in the Masters of Science and Entrepreneurship program called the First 100 Days. It's invaluable. Uh, I don't know whether it was a cause and effect of me uh, personally screaming for that kind of yeah. curriculum. Yeah. It now exists, and uh, NOLA teaches it. Uh, and uh, I think that there needs to be ways to educate people who are at that first point of starting a business to understand all the stuff that you need to do in that first hundred days to get up and running. And because it's a lot of stuff, and at the same point, you need to generate revenue. But we're talking about how you legally form the business, what are all the things you have to do with state, county, federal, uh, local agencies, how if you're going to hire people, how you engage uh, with IRS, Department of Labor, how you make sure you're paying people properly so it doesn't come back to haunt you uh, if you're improperly paying people. There are so many different things that you have to address, accounting system, that having a repository of the information and a way to understand how to utilize it would have been huge for me because I did it all wrong and learned the hard way. Incorporated wrong, set up the wrong accounting system, hired everybody wrong. I did everything wrong yeah. because I didn't know what the right way was. And fixing it was hugely uh, challenging, expensive, and set me back in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's extremely important because I, when I went through the entrepreneurship program here, I, I didn't have that, and I figured out a lot of the same mistakes that I'm sure you did early on. Um, that kind of reminds me, so this whole podcast is, is really based around like hitting goals, and it sounds like you had three major goals that, that you were focused on. Uh, what, what is your goal setting process and, and how do you stick to those goals and hold yourself accountable uh, in order so that you can achieve it? Well, um, an organization needs a process and goal setting comes out of the process. You need a vision statement. Then you need a mission statement. Then you need to set objectives around what that mission is that you have. Then you need to create a strategy to implement those objectives. And then you need an action plan that says, these are the things that we're going to do by this date. And here's who owns it and here's what the deliverables are, and here's how we're going to monitor the process. V-M-O-S-A, Vision, Mission, Objective, Strategy, Action Plan. And that really is the roadmap for yourself or an organization to be able to say, here's, where, here's what we're going to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Here's our vision. Here's our mission. Here's the objectives that we're going to set. These are the goals are really the objectives. The strategy is how we're going to accomplish the objectives. 
And the action plan is the specific tactical things we're going to do. Implement that, and you have as good a roadmap as Google Maps. Wow, that broken down is it's, it's exactly, I think, what we need to do here. Uh, way too often we hear about people with all these grandiose ideas and visions and uh, all these things that never get executed. The execution is so important to basically establishing anything and getting anywhere. Uh, I remember as I was building my company, there was a guy out in California who I thought was far more creative, far smarter than I would ever be. He created more ideas in a minute than I could create in a year. And he went down in flames. He had great ideas. He never implemented a single one of them. I'm kind of coming full circle. Do you think that comes down to who you have on your team and how they can help you? Or is it the job of the entrepreneur or the founder to lay that groundwork and then find the team? Um, I think it kind of all has to happen. You have to be able to get people that you're willing to allow to make decisions and who, you know, you're willing to acknowledge might be smarter than you, uh, might be more talented than you. At the end of the day, an organization has to know what needs to be done and has to be able to implement it. So I was pretty good at defining what I thought we should do, but I also made sure that I had talented people who understood how to uh, create the objectives, the strategy, and the action plan. I was good at being able to create the vision or the dream and communicate the dream, but downstream, as we defined the mission, as we defined the objectives, as we created the strategy, and as we put into place the action plan, the talent around me was able to embrace and uh, proceed down that pathway. Do you think it's common that most people operate better upstream or downstream or somewhere in the middle? Or do you think, is it possible for people to be good across all streams, right? Of, of seeing the vision, doing the management, doing the actual execution. I think that is something that a lot of early entrepreneurs really struggle with is figuring out where they're best in all of this and where can they where should they be? I think, this is an interesting statement, but I think you need a good gender balance mm. in order to make sure that you end up with a great outcome because women bring uh, some different attributes to the party that are stronger than men, particularly in their ability to see what needs to be done and be willing to make sure it gets done. Men tend to walk around in circles a lot talking about what needs to be done and women push them out of the way and get it done. <laughs> so um, I had significant, if not majority, uh, management team uh, composed of women, not men, and we got a lot more done than my competition. So I think you need a good balance. The men seem to want to take risks by and large, more than women, women execute and make sure things get done better than men. I mean, that's not a 100% right. naked statement, but it was my observation over time that that was the powerful combination that allowed for us to grow and succeed. Very interesting. 
Can, can I ask a, a follow-up to that? Um, did you notice any correlations in age as well? So were you hiring people that were kind of in a similar life point as you? Or, or was it important to have people? Because we hear this conversation a lot of, of millennials and how they fit into the current workforce and with technology. There's a lot of differences in the way people communicate. You see that as more challenges or more um, strengths to a company who's doing that. Well, being up here at UF now in a faculty role, I'm learning quickly that the latest generation is definitely very different than my generation. In many ways, how they define success, what they want in lifestyle bounds, what their vision is about what they want for themselves as opposed to what they want to give back. Uh, it, earlier in their lives than many of us did. So it's a new phenomenon for me that I'm trying to embrace. When I started my company, I hired a lot of people my age mm -hmm. and we grew older together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I also found that as technology overwhelmed where we were at, I needed to hire people who were more actively engaged on a daily basis utilizing and implementing technology uh, and that was a valuable gift I got from hiring younger. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. That's yeah. I feel like we hear so much about younger generations uh, being lazy or apathetic or not wanting to work as hard as, as older generations, particularly coming from older generations. Obviously, you know, I can see for some people of my peers that that's not 100% true at all. Uh, do you see anything like that? Just to kind of follow Chris's question. I think the real challenge, and I've been asking this question a lot of my students, is how do you define success? You know, my grandparents defined success as making sure there was food on the table. My parents define success as creating a better opportunity for us than they had and received from their parents. And my generation has probably, from the statistics I've read, is 91% of us are doing better materially, if that's how you define success, in the previous generation. The current generation, from what I can currently understand quantitatively, is that only 50% of the current generation, if you're defining success materially, is doing better than the previous generation. So the question comes down to now, what's the definition of success? My generation defines success as creating a better lifestyle and set of opportunities than our parents. But the current generation, that's, that's, that's kind of a hard definition. I think that we have to kind of start at the root of what, what is the generation or the particular person we're talking to envision or define for themselves as success and then decide if that is consistent with the goals of the enterprise that you're bringing them into. Mm. Do, you, do you have a personal definition of success? Do you? Um, certainly it's changed over time, Sure. but if you'd interviewed 25 of me and my peers when I was a student here in the 70s, 
is so what we thought success was, it was to get out of the University of Florida, you know, get a great job, make good money, buy a house, have a family, have cars, boat, have all this stuff. When I polled my current class, 25 out of 25 said they want to make a difference in the world, they're interested in sustainability, they want to make the world a better place. There wasn't anything the likes of which we defined when I sat here. So already that's a huge game changer in terms of saying, okay, uh, what's the mentality of the current generation? It's hard to use the word lazy, but it clearly defines itself differently and defines success differently. Interesting. I think maybe maybe some people misconstrue those those unique set of values as laziness because it doesn't align with their own values. That to me is the interesting challenge. Yeah. Okay. Well, as we come up here, uh, kind of towards the close, um, I guess, what advice would you give? Somebody who is either starting out in business or currently really involved in pursuing their business and growing personally. If you get up every day and you do the things that you truly know are right and need to be done, that particular day may not go perfectly, but the majority of the days will go well and you will find success. And you can't define it quantitatively. Money isn't your scorecard. Money and wealth will be the byproduct of getting up every day and doing what you truly believe is right for the customers that you have or will have, the employees that you have, and the overall good of the company that you create. Wow. That's great advice. Pretty <laughs> good stuff to take home there. Thank you so much for your time. This has been an amazing conversation, as they always are with you. And I definitely look forward to uh, staying in touch, following up, and uh, moving forward. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us here. It's been fantastic. My pleasure. Enjoy it. Enjoy it very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Attain Anything podcast. We truly hope you were able to take something out of today's episode that you can start executing immediately. And if so, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us an awesome review. If you found value in today's podcast, please share it with someone. We're trying to get this message out to as many people as possible. For more articles, information, or to get in touch with us, you can find us at attainanything.com.